Hey, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jennifer. And together we're doing a podcast, Roots. The Unseen Life. Come on a journey with us. You'll produce a system of roots that will stabilize you and... Produce fruit. We're going somewhere. Come along with us. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Oh, Dwayne, you look great, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you. Is that real hair? Absolutely, it's real hair. Uh-huh. It's the real deal. You look like a chia pet, sweetheart. Hey, man, it's exciting. Had a miracle. Woke up this morning with hair. I'm blessing the Lord, rejoicing in Him always. Always. Um, this is Roots, by the way. It's the name of our podcast. If you got distracted looking at Dwayne's chia pet head. <laughs> Love it. It's uh, Roots, and we, found, we focus on... The Unseen Life, Dwayne. The internal conversation with yourself and with God. And uh, I'm super excited today. We got a, we have a guest jumping in with us. And uh, Jennifer, why don't you introduce our guest? Oh, I'd love to introduce our guest. So today <laughs> we have a special guest, Samuel Hood, who Dwayne and I have known since he was probably three years old, good friends with the family. And I have vivid memories of you, Samuel, just being a very curious, inquisitive, super talkative, excited child. I mean, it, your intelligence was was very evident. I evident remember that going, oh my God. At a very young age. I remember. And um, I mean, I remember, you know, you're four or five and you're like, Mrs. Roberts, what's your favorite verse? Mine's Psalm 27, four. And you just start quoting it. And I'm like, this kid is so cute. But before we got on the air, we're talking about memories. You know, we've known each other for years. Our families have been close for years. And talking about um, Sydney being traumatized because you were your family is over and um, you guys are watching a movie downstairs where all the toys were and Sydney came up. Samuel's making fun of my Barbie because the Barbie was <laughs> naked. <laughs> so yeah. you saw it. Well, if we want to talk about trauma, Sydney, it was all those tackle football games. You know, getting <laughs> decked by a girl and a girl that was younger than me. That's that's the real trauma. That's what was going on. I know. That's I'm hilarious. so sorry about that. We should have really, really reined her in, but she's pretty <laughs> spirited gal. So how long were we neighbors? Because we, uh, we were on the same street, and there was one house in between our families. How long did we live there? Four years, five years? Uh, no, that was six years, direct neighbors, and then the same neighborhood, another four. Okay, yeah. yeah. So good portion Almost of our lives. Years. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Which is awesome. But something that has I, I've always appreciated about you, Samuel, that was evident even as a child, your, your intelligence, your curiosity, and it, that translated into your relationship with the Lord. And so just seeing you develop from being a, a young boy into a teenager and now into a man, that thread is still there. That the, the, the quest to know, to understand, to comprehend. And so I feel like you embody so well loving the Lord with all of your mind. Now, you, you do the other stuff really well, too. But the way you love the Lord with your mind is really beautiful. And you're not afraid to ask hard questions. You're not afraid to wrestle you know, deep things in the faith. And I just appreciate that about you. And I feel like you are, in my opinion, I know this is going to sound like so dramatic, but you're a ray of hope for your generation that you can, you can wrestle and you can come out with a deeper faith because of it. And I just appreciate that about you. Well, it's, thank you. I mean, it's part of what I think um, I really want to get into our conversation with today, but I gotta, I gotta say, um, so you, he's, 
for you guys um, who don't know Samuel, he's a talented young man. I remember you shooting baskets and me blown, be blown away with your ability to play basketball, like out in front of our, out in front of your house. But and, also, and magic tricks. Don't forget the magic tricks. <laughs> but also, for, you know, incredible <laughs> athlete, but also phenomenal musician. Uh-huh. I mean, if you really would have focused, you could have been an off the chart guitar player, and uh, and then just got an incredible mind. Yes. And so for me, guys, this is a treat. Yes. I really do. I agree with Jennifer that um, <clears throat> I think part of the reason when we were just even talking about who do we want to interview um, and, and why we put you on our list of people that we want to talk to is because of your journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that what you are walking through and have walked through, I think there's a plethora. There's that word again. <laughs> Proud of myself. I use big words sometimes. <laughs> Uh, there's a ton of people in in your age group who are really asking some big questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's a little bit of what I want us to engage on today is a little bit. I just would, you know, we want to hear a little bit of your story, a little bit of your journey. So before we get into that, give us a little bit. I, you know, I want you to talk, not just Jennifer and I. <laughs> give us a little bit of your context of what, how you, what you, your perspective on what you grew up in that caused you to then answer questions? I think, you know, and this is true of your family as well, you know, Sydney and Chloe and Elijah, we grew up in a community that really valued an experiential faith. Mm-hmm. And I think for so many people, including my parents and, and previous generations, they grew up in Christian contexts where that wasn't valued. They were hearing, you know, what it means to be a Christian, but they didn't really know God. You know, and yeah. they they didn't have that experiential faith. They weren't equipped to open their Bible, pray and talk with the living God, and that there would be a deeply emotional, experiential faith. And so I think that's something that, you know, in our upbringing, just we had in spades. I remember, I, you know, this interesting about my family is that when I was seven years old, I was going to my parents wanting to follow Jesus, saying, I want to follow Jesus. And my parents kept telling me, no, you're not ready. This is the biggest decision of your life. And mm-hmm. I was so confused. And I don't know why, but I remember one time going out to my mom. And like my mom, she was exercising in the living room, being amazing <laughs> how she is, just so committed to health and her fitness. It's like, it provokes me. And I remember running up to her in the middle of her Pilates workout going, you know, she's doing a middle of an abdomen workout. I'm saying, I need to know Jesus. And I remember my mom walking up the stairs with me in Belton. Um, Missouri, a little south of where we were, you know, raised and and where IHOP KC was. And I remember my mom leading me to the Lord. And I remember the first thing I did is going to Mardell's, getting a Bible, getting my name etched into it, getting a highlighter pack and wanting to read the Bible. I remember the Psalms being a place where I felt God's presence that when I would read Psalm, you know, you mentioned Psalm 27. It's funny because, you know, if you want to hack into all my emails, you can just find some alternative of Psalm 27 and you're going to there's my password. It's funny how everything was shaped by Psalm 27, but I think I just gave that away. Um, but anyway, <laughs> on air. I was going <laughs> to highlight that, but whoa. Okay. I'm going to have to change every email password now. But the thing is, the finding the presence of God in the Psalms and finding the presence of God in the Bible, I remember taking my dad's Bible and seeing his highlighters and highlighting the way he highlighted I remember writing dates in the text, you know, I mean, the book of Daniel and it says 539 BC. I don't know what that is, but I'm writing it down. I was hungry for the presence of God. And I think in an unusual way, 
growing up as a kid, you know, I was a your neighbors. We, I was a normal kid. I loved the skateboard. I loved to play totally. basketball. I had, but at the same time, it it wasn't fully consistent. But through the years, one consistent thread is I truly loved the Lord. I loved His presence. I loved the Word. I loved worship. I loved being in an environment of worship and prayer. And so I think that really shaped me, this experiential knowledge of who God is. And so I think people who grow up in environments like that, it's beautiful, but it can set you up for a crisis because, you know, for twofold. One, it's more personal to you. You're not wrestling with something that's on the periphery of your life that is just you feel pressure related to your family. You're dealing with something that is the core of who you are. But also you've grown up in an environment where loving God with your heart has been so important, but there haven't always been ways where you fortified the mind, wrestling with the faith. Is this true? And I think, you know, everyone at some point in their life in different ways, asking different questions is going to hit a trial where your faith is tested. And for me, there was an intellectual, you know, um, component to that, but it was also deeply personal. This was my whole life and being a pastor's kid and, being a kid that, you know, actually did ministry, you know, from the stage at a young age all throughout my life as a kid and yep. in high school. And it, it set, it was setting me up for a moment to truly have my, my faith tested. And I think that's a really, um, it's a beautiful thing, but um, I always was a question asker. And I think that's one of the number one things people, you know, tell me looking back as a kid, I was a question asker. So, you know, that I was headed for a collision to wrestle with the living God, you know, and, and so that is, that's my story in a nutshell is, is, um, and so I, I think it was, you know, we can go into it, but it was during Bible college, you know, around 20 years old when I really started wrestling with my faith at a deeper level. And so, but so what, you know, I'm so grateful. What would be the, um, what would be the, the question that led you into all the other questions what was the the predominant question that caused you to go wait a second i can't quite get this right i think what it wasn't a catalyst uh, a question wasn't a catalyst for my faith crisis it was a relationship with my friend who was going through a faith crisis and okay. and, and often i think wrestling happens in very relational ways but the mm-hmm. relationships in our life circumstances pop up the big existential questions. But it's not like we're all philosophers sitting in a, you know, in a classroom, you know, an abstract thought about the universe. No, we, we lose a loved one. You know, someone feels like they've right. been left by God. These type of things hit. And that was for me, too. Even though I was a question asker, I always could ask the question, but put it in a, you know, in a folder and stick it onto the shelf. But as soon as I was confronted by you know, real personal experience. That's when I started asking. So it had one of my close friends in college started going, really came out, you know, came out to me and said, Hey, I I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And these are the questions I'm asking. And I made a decision at 20 when I, when my, one of my best friends came to me, I realized I can either be defensive and I can try to keep them from this wrestle or I can enter it with them. And I think the thing, it's a scary thing to come to this a, a belief, but the belief I came to was if the Christian faith is true, then it can handle the scrutiny. Yeah. It can handle the burden. 
Yes. And then this, and then the second thing I came to was this understanding: if God is real, He is the one that's least threatened by my wrestle. Amen. You know, my parents are going to wrestle because when you have children and you love them, the deepest desire in your heart is for them to to know who Christ is and to live yeah. from that place. And 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 then if you throw in longing for their eternal security with God, then you're just there's so much writing on that. Yes. So I'm like, my parents are going to struggle. Friends might be confused, but ultimately I had this security that, that God would be with me. Okay. That's and, so good. Okay. And that God was the least threatened that actually God was more comfortable with me asking questions than my own parents. Yeah. And so I think because of that, I said, I'm taking the plunge. And the thing is my friend was going to engineering school in college. So these were questions that were surfacing on Sunday when he would go to, you know, to church with his family or different times. But for me, I'm going to Bible college. My dad's right. the president of a university, the associate director of a, you know, of a ministry. I'm a worship leader and a musician and a prayer community. I'm the chaplain of my school. I'm planning our chapels. So I am confronting this. And before I knew it, the wrestle that my friend was going through became a wrestle that I was going through, but in a much more um, religious environment that where it was yeah. hitting me all the time. And so, but I think the questions that my fr that really I started to ask was these the simple questions that I think everyone asks is, we look at suffering in the world and we go, how does we reconcile this with a God who's good, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the, uh, so that was one big question I think the second question that I was really wrestling with is I, I'm a Christian because I believe the gospel is beautiful, but is it true? There was this question of the truthfulness. Is, the, is this something I can really, and I, I guess what I needed was I needed more than my experience. I, yeah. I needed to, I needed something because I was thinking, well, the Muslim, you know, you know, and the Buddhist and the Hindu and the secular humanist that, that, you know, you could, you could go to Nepal and you could go to, to, you know, the Czech Republic and you can go to Argentina and there's going to be different religious expressions. People are born into different environments. I'm like, I need more than my experience because everyone's writing off of their experience. There needs to be something beyond experience because I'm calling a Muslim out of their experience and their family to, to, to consider Jesus and the truth claims of who Jesus is. Yeah. I'm calling a Buddhist. To, so I have to do that for me. Like, and I think right. that was a, I think that can often be another question is, is there's so many ideas of who God is. Uh -huh. How do I just trust this one that the exclusiveness right. and, and my experience. So there was a, there was, um, there was a range of questions, but ultimately I was, I was, I was needing to, to, fortify my beliefs and really wrestle and, and, and put it to the test like a relationship. You know, it's, yeah. if you're in a relationship with someone and you put it to the test, that is not a lack of trust in them. It is actually a sign of you trusting them to say, if we're going to make this lifelong commitment, well, I'm going to put this to the test because this is a big, and that's, so I didn't feel like my questioning was a lack of trust in God. I thought I was, I was, it was a form of trust to say, I'm going to test this. Um, now that can go off the rails into negative and unhealthy. Um, we can become cynical and we totally, can, you know, totally. and we, and, but, but there was a healthy testing. You know, that's where, you know, Paul said, you know, you know, test prophecy. You know, he didn't, 
he yeah. wasn't he was saying hold fast to what is good test this because yes. in the testing you find what the gold is and god's in the business of giving us gold of turning our face into mature gold not something perishable and totally. so that that's what kicked off the wrestle for me okay was that and relationship so, with my friend go ahead go ahead no that yeah that's it okay so um uh i got a couple questions before we move on um, so something I would like you to touch on is in your struggle, in your in your wrestle, what were the what were positives that those that were leaders over you helped you with, and what were negatives that that leaders that you went to or leaders that were leading you, and 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 um, because it freaks out leaders when people have a faith crisis, and totally. I think. I think this generation is is in a crisis as a general statement. Totally. There's a lot of people that are asking some really big questions and totally. some leaders are freaked out by it and then others are going, "No, this is actually a good process." Right. And right. we yeah. trust God in his leadership. So highlight kind of the positives and the negatives of some experiences that you had from those that were leading you and the impact it had on you in your journey. Does that question make sense? Yes, but before you answer that, I just wanna interject something. Because from, from my experience, I think there's two types of faith crisis. There's the type yeah. that you're describing that's, that is very real and you're wanting to own your faith on every level, not just experiential, mm -hmm. and you're doing it in the context of the palm of God's hand which if you're mm -hmm. gonna do it, do it there. But then there's the other type in the name of a faith crisis, it's really just a license to go into full-blown hedonism. Do you know oh, what I mean? Really? Where yeah. it's just a spin out, I'm gonna just do this. And that, I just wanna differentiate, there are two different kinds and, and yours wasn't that. Yeah, I, I think I definitely, I agree with you. I think there's an impulse to, to, to not want the constraints. Yes. Um, and, and, and some of those moral absolutes yes. and rather than wrestling with them, we rationalize our reason for, you know, oh, I just don't believe this anymore. And I think right. that's where I would say, and this is, this can, this, when I talk to my friends this way, this is not, this is, it doesn't make them happy, but I say, you're not being skeptical enough here because people love to be skeptics. I go, you're not skeptical of your own motivations in this. Yeah, and let's excellent. just be, let's just be frank. I think you just yeah. want to have a lot more sex. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. and you're, yeah. and you are masking that under the pretense of, I, I, the, I don't believe in the Christian God anymore. Uh -huh. And right. so and that's my point. And, yeah. And, 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 and that, but, and what I would say is that is just part of being a human being. And what I mean is we, we want what we want and we come up with our reasons, but often our reasons aren't so noble and yes. aren't, you know, and so, and that's, that's where we have point, to turn man. the mirror back on ourselves and go, Hey, you, Hey, you want to be a skeptic of the Christian faith. That's awesome. But are you going to be a skeptic of Samuel Hood? Yeah. Are you going to be skeptical of your own motivations and way you're processing or, or even the way sometimes we, we actually are dealt with trauma uh -huh. But we project our trauma to onto the church or onto God, yes. and we really, really need is healing because we. A lot of people get burned in the church, and and it's because of that it's hard to separate out how we felt in the church. You know, 
the church versus who Christ really is. Right. You know, and right. it's like Gandhi when he said, I love I love your Jesus. I just don't love your Christians is is there's yep. this implicit idea. And I think some people they 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 felt so much trauma within context uh, of the church that it there they there's an emotional need for separation and what they end up, you know, and so that's one of the things we're also wrestling with is separating out the complexity of our stories, you know, not only our motivations to live, you know, to live the way we want to outside of restraints and, and absolutes, but also the fact that sometimes it's a lot of pressure to live in the tension of your own trauma, but to not leave the faith because it's really not Christ who has hurt you. It is the body right. of Christ. And that's a painful thing. And everyone Yes. has to live in that. Do you guys agree with that? Does that make sense? It makes a hundred percent. No, I, we're in a hundred percent agreement. I think. What are you, what What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think Jesus gets blamed for a lot of bad behavior that has nothing <laughs> to do with him. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so I, I feel like those distinctions are accurate. Um, and I, even in my own life, when I was raised in a non-Christian family and then um, my parents end up getting divorced after they get saved, we started to become normal. And then, totally. you know, they get a divorce. I am so rocked to my core that yeah. I'm in my bedroom trying to fall away, like saying to the Lord, I don't want to love you anymore. Now, it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with my expectations of how my life would go once I started following him. And when totally. my expectations weren't met, my family's falling apart, I wanted to hurt him. I wanted to be mad at him. I, and I would say, I'm trying to fall away right now. And he would come close and I'd feel his presence. I'm like, go away, I'm trying to fall away. You totally. know what I mean? So that it was, it was my trauma projected on the Lord that really didn't have it much to do with my faith, mm -hmm. but it had a lot to do with my pain and my expectation totally. of what my life would look like. So I, I think that you're framing it perfectly, in my opinion. And so what I would say is part of the part of the beauty of giving space for wrestle uh -huh. is we're not only giving people space to ask the hard questions. We're also giving people space to heal. And it's actually yeah. both of those. We don't want to simply cycle psychologize people's wrestle and go, oh, let, if we can just get in our, you know, our psychological armchair, we'll realize there's some hurt in there. It's kind of uh -huh. like the God is not debt movie where the, you know, the professor's an atheist and he's debating the kid. And at the end of the movie, it's just his grandmother abused him and died and he's just hurting. It's like there's truth in that, but there's a way uh -huh. of almost discounting people's real wrestle by, by yes. assuming there's emotional pain in there. Right, right. But at the same time, that is that is completely real, that, that we really have to um, wrestle with our trauma and wrestle in, or with our pain and trauma comes in a variety of ways and, and in different degrees, but yeah, that 100% we have to wrestle with that. And I think part of that is, you know, and a part of it's also, and I think this is something we don't talk about enough in the church. Part of it is the fact that just human beings, we really, really hurt people. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes if people have mostly been in religious context, they're experiencing the disillusionment and uh -huh. disappointment and pain that you're going to experience in the business world, you're going to experience Absolutely. in a normal school. The difference is, and this is why I think it's more intense. When you're in the business world, people tell you, suck it up, kid. This is how it is. But in the church, you're being told that people are meant to be like Christ. 
And right. so there's a deeper disillusionment because your pastor isn't just, you know, the person, you know, doing cutthroat business that, you know, this is the person who's meant to embody Jesus to you yeah. and care yeah, yeah. for you. And they're, they're actually hurting you and harming you. Yes. And that is, that creates even more pain. And though so that's why it's like, woe to those yeah. that want to be teachers and leaders because, you know, we, there is, you know, we, we're held into account. And so, um, but it is, there is, there's so many factors in that, yes. that cause people that to wrestle. Um, and so anyway, I, I'm trying to remember where your question was. Oh, it was related well, to leaders. Do you want me well, to go I into just, that? Or? Well, just just one second. I just want to, Jennifer totally hijacked my question, as she typically does. So <laughs> because if we, can we back needed up. to make it better, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you take your little fake hair off and try to get real, Dwayne? <laughs> Shut up. I love my hair. It's, it looks good on yeah, me. Yeah, it does. So um, I think it's important that, just let's stay on this track for a second, because um, one of the way, main ways that this generation is is getting bumped, I think, is through the church, mm-hmm. and and it's through our our you know broke leaders are broken people and we hurt people, and I think it's something that we just need to take a pause and just admit that. Yeah, and you know mm-hmm. I don't want us to get sidetracked on politics right now, but. This is a season where a young adult can look at the church and going, you look exactly like CNN and Fox News. There's no difference between you and the and so serious millennials specifically are going, what in the world? And so I think it's just important that we we take a pause and we we highlight that reality that actually the church is is broken today and that. My experience with Christians does not define the living God. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. to really, and to really make sure that people are understanding that. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, that's one of the reasons I love Jesus is he, he still works with us and uses mm-hmm. us and, is, and has, actually has a plan to use the church in the earth even though we are so broken. Totally. 100%. I, I think this might be one of the most important things I can say is that I think the answer to these wrestles is widening our view of the Christian faith. So we, I, the way I see it is we're all in rooms, but the Christian faith is a house. Yeah. And sometimes we think we're, we're, we're leaving the house and walking out the front door and we're just walking into the hallway. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and what I mean by that is like, there are some people that they think that, you know, that the gospel is synonymous with a political party in this country. This is right. not a good time with no. the toxicity and polarization to yeah. tie Jesus to the bandwagon of, no. 100%. of the, the blue or the red or Republican or right. Democrat or the Biden or the Trump or the donkey or the elephant. However, this is not a time to, to tie, and this is my opinion, to tie Jesus to that because ultimately Jesus is going to transcend that yes. politics. Now vote how you want to vote. Like, Right. Uh, you know, engage, right. do it. But I think the key is seeing that the gospel transcends, yeah. transcends this. And I think if we were more gospel centered, we would be less comfortable with the politics today, less comfortable, you know, siding on one side. That, that doesn't mean you don't vote a certain way or you don't lean one way or the other. It just means that our focus would be on the gospel right. and creating space for diversity on these things, you know, like, 
And so, and I, de I definitely agree with that. And I do think that does tie in Dwayne with, with where I was going to answer your question, which is, I think the positive thing that helped me with leaders is that I would bring up a wrestle and the leader would say, yeah, I feel that too. Mm. And then often their answers were outside the boundaries of what I was accustomed to. Okay. You know, that was my experience with one professor at IPU named Dr. Matir. I love him. I would come to him and go, I don't think I can be a Christian. I think this. And he would go, I think that. And I'd be like, what? And, it, <laughs> and the point was, and I'm going, well, you're not talking about that. Because and often the people who wrestle the most are the most secure to not have to voice their opinion. You know, that they, it's something tucked away and it's, and it's gold for that person who's wrestling. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't create an environment where people can share more. It just means that. I, it helped me stay in the fight to realize that, oh, this is not something outside the faith. This is something that is, that is, you know, I can be a follower of Christ and still wrestle with this or land a certain way within orthodoxy. And I think it's comforting when you realize that the, some, the boundaries, God's boundaries, it's interesting. God's boundaries are often so much more narrow than the world, but they're often so much wider than what we grew up in and i think that's right. really important his house yeah. is more there's more rooms in god's house that he is preparing for us and that was the thing i thought i was walking outside the house but i was really walking into the hallway and there were more yeah. rooms to learn from and i actually love that room i was raised in there's things right. i love and i i firm and i value and i never want to lose and 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 so but but it's it's wider and so yes you know that's that's something i would say was you know, so I would encourage, I would encourage leaders, hey, if it's not you, find someone on your staff to be that person for people. You know, right. every, I think every staff is healthy if there's that guy, you know, that young whippersnapper is like wrestling with something and you're like, man, I, I feel like I have a satisfactory answer for me, but I know I don't have a satisfactory answer for you. Yeah. That you want that person, you know, to be able to answer those questions or wrestle with someone. Yeah. And I think that's really, that's really important um, to create those environments. Um, I think maybe what was hardest for me was pat answers to hard questions. Yeah. Um, I think, I just want to say this. Here's a really good answer, in my opinion. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know is way better than a trite pat answer to a hard issue. Yeah. And that's something I really respected. I felt like when I was walking with, when I was gleaning from mature, wise men and women, I would get that answer a lot more. Okay. That's awesome. And I, I think what that did is it helped me realize that there is mystery in my faith. Yeah, There's mystery. It's beautiful. And that is a comfort because, you know, I don't, you know, I don't need certainty. You know, we're not certain of anything, but, but, but if there's mystery, I can settle for confidence. Mm -hmm. I can be confident. And that was another thing in all this. I think when you grow up in really experiential expressions of the faith, there is an implicit certainty and life will pop some of that. And, totally, and, oft totally. and often, and, and, but the thing is this, if there was certainty, it wouldn't be trust. It wouldn't be right. faith that right. God's built mystery into this. 
And the thing is, if you decide, if you're watching this video and you don't know if you believe in God or wrestling or you, or here's the point, you settle for agnosticism or atheism or Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, whatever, whatever you want. There's mystery in that. You, we can't escape mystery. Yes. You know, so true. Th th and that, and that was the thing, you know, is, is realizing mystery. And so I think that's what I would say. My answer to that question is, is leaders who, who, who knew, who were more equipped with the boundary lines of the faith versus the boundary lines of that in every community is going to have its own boundary lines. Cause you right. go take over, you go pastor a church. It's not your boundary lines. You just got all the family issues and values and things, and you're trying to shape a culture. So there's no, it's, you know, like you're, you're, we're always wrestling with the boundary lines, yes. but God's boundary lines, you know, are often wider on some of these things. And I love that. And, and and the lines have fallen in good places you know and so amen but so anyway um sometime sometime before we finish i would love to share kind of the pivotal moment where god met me in my faith wrestle because um, yeah i want to i want to get there but there's yeah. um so that um because we're only about halfway done we got we got more conversation here <laughs> but um i like the thing also that I would like you to comment on before we kind of get is I because I grew up kind of the Canadian version of Assemblies of God, I tell people. So very Pentecostal. Um, and so you grew up in an environment that would be kind of the the new charismatic movement that's been happening for like 20, 30 years or so. But where where. I would like you just to comment because I think there's so many in the stream of Charismaticville that emotional, uh, you know, that that encounter with God, His presence, that is so fundamental to their relationship with the Lord. But when that crisis comes and then enters in the questions, the bewilderment, and then that word disillusionment mm -hmm. comes in, what would you say to the charismatic? Um, individual that's having the crisis that's been built their life on experience and they've been hurt, wounded, disillusioned. Um, does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. Do I need to I... be encouraged? <laughs> I've got some questions. I need help, Samuel. Help me. <laughs> well, I would say this, and you know, it's kind of comedic, but I think all of us in the charismatic world have been waking up to the difference between what it means to be charismatic and be charismaniac. And my point is yes. often we're having to separate the wheat from the trap and go, that is not what it means to affirm the gifts of the Holy spirit. And, and, you know, the presence of God, visitational worship, you know, whatever, however you want to, we talk about defining, you know, being charismatic. It's like that, that is not what it is. And I think a lot of people today in the charismatic world are specifically disillusioned with the prophetic ministry in so many ways. I mean, and, I think we've seen, I'll speak for myself. I've seen people give public prophetic words that did not come to pass and no one t questioned or called it out or said, Hey, this is, you have a track record of giving prophecies that are not true that we, yeah. and, and we, and that's what I would say is this is why Paul said in Corinthians test prophecy, hold fast to what is good because when you test it, when it stands, that's the testimony of the Lord. And yeah. so we, and so I would say what I would encourage us is, you know, let, let don't despise prophecy. Well, a lot of the people, you know, 
but we've despised prophecy prophecy because we did not see a model of it being tested. And you right. know, there are times where I talk to my dad and say, Dad, I don't. It's rare for me to see someone in prophetic ministry that I see a track record of fruit and and accuracy. And 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 I just have to be honest about that. And where yeah. you know what's going on? I I what you witnessed in as a young man in the prophetic ministry, Dad, is not happening today. The, and what's going on? And we have to be honest with that. If you look at scripture, the, the prophetic ministry ebbs and flows. We're not promised any type, you know, and so, I mean, that would be my opinion is seeing the ebb and flow in the Old Testament period. And so my point is, we don't have to be disillusioned by this, but I, that's one thing I think what's difficult is there's so many layers. I yeah. think, so I, I think I got a little too specific there. That's one thing. So, but I think if I could speak overall to people who grow up in the charismatic world is you treasure your experiences with God and don't give up the value of experiencing God, but also your faith is deeper than your experience and your emotionality. Oh. And, yes, yes, and if yes, you aren't yes. feeling God right now, that doesn't mean he's far from you. And it doesn't mean you're failing. And it doesn't mean there's some secret voodoo in the Bible you can do to get the feelings back, you know? And, 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 and so you, we, I think the problem is then we respond and we, we lose the value of experiencing God. And that's not good either, because if God is the living God who's revealed himself, he is longing to reveal himself to us. And, and yet at the same time, it's not the foundation of our faith is the gospel. Jesus is the risen Lord, whether you feel it or not. Amen. Amen. And, and I think that is something to rest on because I think then we're not victim to the vicissitudes. That's such a word. We're not victim to the changes of our life. It's I'm having a bad day. And part of that is that because my devotion wasn't good or because I didn't sleep last night and I got in a conflict, you know, with my significant other and I'm stressed about the finances and I haven't worked out in four you know, weeks and I'm gaining weight on the scale. And, you know, and I'm just having a bad day. Like, I think the key is like, I don't have to live in victim to that. I can, I can say, Lord, I love you. Like, I love you today. And I'm yes. not feeling it. And yeah. And then I think a second thing is there's people in the, care, the charismatic world that they have different type of temperaments. And I think this is not something to talk about. Some people just aren't, and this is my opinion, predisposed in their personality to have as many experiences. There's a personality. You know, you can talk to my mom. When the awakening at IHOP happened, she did not have any dramatic encounters with the Lord or manifestations. She didn't fall down she didn't feel anything but man you would you you don't want to i don't want to be in the room and hear you tell my mom you know say that my mom is not one of the most faithful loving women of god and and so that's where that's where i would say it's it's time for us to judge our our, the the our walk based on the fruit of the spirit you know that's this missing thing Uh, we've often talked about the gifts of the holy spirit what about the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Is your life radiating the patience and kindness and love of God? And if you are radiating the fruit of the Spirit, then you are walking with the Holy Spirit. He, mm-hmm. he is at work in your life. And that's, an, that's another thing that I would say is, if, I want to be honest, if you grow up in the charismatic world 
and you've never had a dramatic encounter with the Lord, and you're one of those people that you are so sincere and authentic that you're not going to fake something to be accepted or to seem like you're a spiritual person, but you are being faithful to God. I just want to commend you. You are being, I want to commend you. Like the Lord is with you. And sometimes we just need to affirm people and where they're at in their journeys and call out the good and say, I see God, his work in your life. And that was one of the reasons my friend, close friend went on a, had a major faith wrestle is he was longing to have a dramatic experience of God. And he thought that the way to do that was to be faithful. So he read his Bible every single day for 15 years. I don't know anyone that's ever done that. Totally. But what it produces is this, if I just keep doing this, eventually I'm going to get this payoff. And, and I, something that I, you know, would say is, you know, this doesn't have to be the barometer of your faithfulness to the Lord. Like, what Excellent. what makes you come alive? And I, when I would talk to people, they would say things like, I feel most fulfilled when I am loving my neighbor and serving them. When I'm entering a hard season in their life and I'm praying for them and carrying their burdens and making them dinner. That's when I feel the love of God. And I'm like, there you go. That's Amen. the Lord. And so Amen. I think we have to, I just think we need a broader I, I, maybe you got, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I think we need a broader categories for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives where yeah, we go, that's absolutely. the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think we all could go on forever on some of this stuff, but that's a few things no, that I think come that's to mind. But, but I think it's, so good, I want to flush this out because I, I so appreciate you really testing the, the, where the church is at today in your journey you've asked some big questions and that's for me like those like what what you just talked on i think it's just something i want to get flushed out in mm-hmm. in the charismatic church and 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 yeah. what does being transformed by the spirit and when the spirit comes near me what does he do and that highlighting actually of the transformation of the gospel means the fruit in the spirit means i am much more loving and kind mm-hmm. to individuals patience is being worked out that's a huge issue for jennifer but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it keep going so, honey so no i just i just like to flesh this stuff out with you so let's get back to your a little bit of your personal journey and a little yeah. bit of your what what it kind of led to your i remember it's the bedroom you're you're wrestling mm-hmm. with the lord i want to get to that point so give us a little bit of that yeah. part I, so I think this the, it was a good segue because it one of the things that you know in it was my junior year at Bible college you know one of the reasons it was I was wrestling so much is I was staying in the game I was still in prayer I was still living the Christian life and it it can feel schizophrenic when you're in a faith wrestle but you're still practicing your Christian faith it's you know and but it was I was you know because of my mentor Dr. Matira he would just say you know just I would want it, I wanted to drop out of Bible college and I wanted to get out of an environment where I felt that pressure, you know, mm-hmm. being a pastor's kid. And honestly, I wanted to be in an environment where people wouldn't judge me for the questions. And so I thought, you know, what's the one program where you can think about the world and no one cares where you land? Oh, I'm going to go do a philosophy. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, this is, I can. And so one of the things in the back of my head was I was wanting to drop out 
of Bible college and go pursue a philosophy major and just kind of get some space and not feel that pressure. So that was in the back of my mind. But, you know, my mentor would tell me, what do you want to do after this philosophy degree? And I said, well, hopefully I find faith again and I go to seminary. And, and my professor would say, well, you know, you can go to seminary after Bible college. So why don't you just, why don't you keep doing Bible college and keep wrestling? And if you hit a point where you leave, you can, but you might be grateful that you stayed in that journey and then you finish Bible college and just go off to seminary right afterwards. So I said, okay. So I was taking it a semester at a time, but I think the second semester of my junior year, I just was really hitting a wrestle. I remember crying myself to sleep. It could because yeah. not knowing if the God that I grew up praying to was real and mm. not knowing if those experiences were real. And, that, and that's scary. And, and wondering, it is scary. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty in that state. And so I remember one night, it just, everything hit me. And it was a buildup, probably six months. And I went up, my parents were, you know, were uh, refurbishing or the attic, they were transforming into a master bedroom. And so they just had the fresh wood and the insulation and they, you know, put the shed dormer on and had this beautiful window looking out. And I remember going up into the attic and just, and it's dark and it's moody, it's night. And I just get on my knees and I have a cathartic moment where it just all comes out and it's just hitting me. I can't do this anymore. Um, you know, and it was, it was a lot of those, qu the questions that were hitting me was the question of God, are you good in the midst of suffering? And, you know, is my experience enough? And to have to, you know, to believe in you and follow you, Jesus. And I remember hitting the floor, my knees. It's, it's interesting because it's cliche, you know, you're crying, you're, you're, you know, you hit the floor with your knees, but sometimes these moments, I just had to get down. I was so burdened. And I, I remember having this thought, you know, this is my two roads diverged in a path, Robert Frost moment. And mm -hmm. I'm making a life decision right now. And I need to drop out of Bible college and I need to be able to just get some distance from this, my community, not because I don't love the community, just so I don't feel this pressure and this dissonance and, and realizing, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to leave the faith. And I, and I have to just be honest where I'm at. And what was really crazy in this moment is I felt God's presence just leave me. And it's really weird to be in a moment where you feel God leave you, but you don't even believe in God or know if you believe in God. Wow. And I think the reason that I think the reason that happened is, is I always felt like God's hand was on my shoulder when I was wrestling. It's like he was yeah. there and it was like, Hey, Samuel, you may not believe in me, but you feel this hand on your shoulder and just takes that hand off. And I just feel God's presence leave. And that was that full cathartic moment. I'm weeping. I'm, I'm just in agonizing pain. And I remember going, I've got to get out. And I go to stand up and this thought hits me. This is what Christ felt like on the cross. Hmm. And wow, more vivid than any time in a worship service as a kid or preaching as a Bible college student, I felt the presence of Jesus in that moment. Hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's like, it's the one moment I can speak of and I just, I'm there. And yeah. 
it's really weird to feel the presence of Jesus, but also feel God leave you at the same time. Yeah. And it was this like, this is what he felt like in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, when he said, let this cup pass from me. This is what he felt like when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I remember this was the moment for me, this thought hit me. You can never be forsaken by God because even when you are, you find the God man there. Hmm. Wow. He's in the God forsakenness. Yeah. And that was this crazy tension because I was like, I felt the presence of Jesus in my own forsakenness because it, God had been there in Christ. And so I remember getting up and going, what just happened to me? I was ready to leave the faith. I literally felt God leave me and Jesus was there with me in that. Hmm. And that just set me like, I went to my room and I didn't even know what to do. And that whole summer after my junior year, I began reading, reading books. I remember reading GK Chesterton. I remember reading CS Lewis. I remember reading Jurgen Molman. These are all theologians. And the point is they would, they would hit at this, that, that God has entered that God forsakenness. And the point is you can't be forsaken by God. And I want to say this, this is me not telling my story. This is me even starting to preach. If you right now feel God's presence has left you or in the past you felt his presence leave you, then know that you find Jesus there. He has entered everything in your human experience, even feeling God's presence leave you. And that's a crazy thing because that means this this is actually Psalm, this is actually Psalm 139. Yeah. But it's fulfilled because of Christ. Where can you go from his presence? If if God leaves you, God is there. How is that possible? Because Jesus was there in the forsakenness. And that like, and what I love, you know, this is GK Chesterton, but he says, this is, you know, this is God empathizing with the atheists in Christ. He's saying, where are you, God? I don't feel you. And then, and that just, it, and then I think it was, I was going, this is what the psalmist felt in Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus felt like on the cross, that I am not only in the company of saints, I'm in the company of the God man. Yeah. That, that Christ is with me in the wrestle and in the God forsakenness, and in the doubt that God is with me there. And this is the thing I just want to say, and my friends that are secular disagree with me on this, but the Christian faith is this rubber band that's supposed to break, and it doesn't, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, if you wrestle, if you being left by God or feeling God leave you is a place where God is, where can you go? Yeah. yeah. And that's, the, that's just like... And that's, I found Christ there. And, yeah. and I, but, and this is where I'll say this, this experience was so powerful. It didn't answer my question of, can you build your faith on, do I need more than experience? Cause this was an experience. Mm-hmm. You can never get outside of that. You are a conscious being in your own experience, wrestling with the world. You can't rise above that, but it did in my opinion, give me a profound answer to that question of God, how are you good in the midst of suffering and evil? And I actually think that's the number one question that shipwrecks faith. It's Mm -hmm. because you don't have to be a philosopher to have a loved one die or to see pain in the world and go, I don't know how this works with a good God. And what that provided a profound answer for me, this experience, because I realized this, 
God is good in the midst of the evil and suffering in the world because he has entered it in Christ. God is not some distant observer of your pain and your suffering. God is an empathetic participant in your suffering. When you are suffering, when you are hurting, when you feel abandoned by God, God is in there in Jesus. And that's why for me, I can't worship or believe in a God who has not entered the world in Christ. It's a, it's a profound thing to know that, that God is with me in that hour of, of, of sorrow, of disillusionment, of doubt, of grief, of all the God forsakenness that he is there with me. And so it, it kind of is like Paul, it's Christ and Christ crucified. Like I, found Christ in that moment and, and it set me on a trajectory. It wasn't like I had the moment I went, I'm a Christian again. I'm going to tell everyone. It was right. a very private inward. Yes. What just happened to me? Yes. That should have been at the very least a five to 10 year departure from the Christian faith. Totally, Maybe one totally. that could last a lifetime. Yeah. And God met me there in Christ. Yeah. And, yes. you know, it's, it I is, mean, to me, I got lots of comments because to me is is powerful. It is. First of all, but I I think it's I so appreciate the sincerity of your journey, and that's just something I want to highlight. That you know when Jennifer said in the early you know, earlier, you know, and, and you then commented, you know, some people are in a search. No, you just want to send more. Let's make sure we separate this. The sincerity of your journey is yeah. actually what I so love about God because in your sincere journey and then he met you but then also just your your wrestle with God that has led you in truth yeah and you have wrestled with the word of God and the truths of God and he met you in truth and mm-hmm. it's actually truth that is now solidified within you living understanding yeah. living understanding yeah and Hundred percent. And anything more you're going to say? Well, and then I just would like you to comment because I've heard you. Um, we had a, a night around a fire, and you were smoking a pipe. I don't know if I was, but you were. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, but you you said in that conversation, you talked about turning your wrestle to God. Just comment yeah. on that. Because that 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 wrestling, I want you to focus it on God. Talk to us about yeah. that. I, I I can't exactly remember everything I said in that around that fire, but I mean, based on what you're asking me, I think we really are provided with two responses to to not to everything we experience in life. Not only our sin, but also our our wrestling and our questions is we either run to God or from God. And something I will say is, I don't think I was, you know, and not, and and I don't want to ever depict anyone else as running from God, but you know, like, you know, because I think there are people that sincerely wrestle, but they're still in a, in a, in that wrestle. And they, and so, and that's a big mystery is God, my friend's sincere. I'm sincere. Why me? Why not them? And that's part of the, the wrestle in life. But I think overall, I would say, I would, we're provided an opportunity to not run from God in shame or to not just, just to give up on the questions, but to keep running to God. And I, and I would say this, the number one thing beyond the grace of God that kept me in the game was I never stopped praying. Mm-hmm. And, 
And I really just want to encourage people as you wrestle, wrestle in a posture of prayerfulness. And yeah. your wrestle will impact how you pray. And that's okay. You don't have totally. you don't always have to pray the prayer of faith. Sometimes you can pray the prayer of God, where are you? Yeah. Where I don't feel you. You've left me. But the power of, you know, of is the power is that you know, you you never stop the conversation with God and yes. you never leave the community of faith reminding you of the truth. And I think that's really powerful. You know, I I don't know if I would still be a Christian if in the midst of all that wrestling, I stopped worshiping and I stopped praying. And worshiping and prayer wasn't the thing that kept me alone. It, all these other things. But I just want to encourage people, go to God, go to him. Like he's yeah. the one least threatened by your questions. If you, if there are oh, questions man. keeping you up at night, go to him. Amen. Yeah. It's for real. And I, I really think that, that that's part of boldly approaching the throne of grace. Yes. You know, we talk about boldly approaching the throne of grace, Hebrews 10, but often from a perspective of personal sin and shame. Yeah. Sometimes you have to boldly approach the throne of grace in your doubt and in yes. your rest. Yeah. And, yeah. and do that. I really, I really think that is so, so huge. So I don't know and if I that's what I got at around the fire, but well, that's. Well, it, actually that question, cause we had a conversation, I think in a coffee shop too, and you might've brought it up there is just um, in my doubt, turn that into a conversation and dialogue with God mm -hmm. and, and enter into that conversation with God, as opposed to, mm -hmm as opposed to going outside and even because the popular, yeah. the, the popular phrase, you know, deconstructing my faith, that's kind of, you know, especially two or three years ago was super trendy. And, and in that deconstruction, I think I actually encourage people to do that. Get down to what are those foundational stones of your faith. But in that, where are you getting your, what are you rebuilding your faith on? And that's where I want to emphasize the wrestle with God. Yeah, absolutely. Ask God, yeah. go to, I mean, and prayer can look like God. I don't know if you're real, yep. but you said, if I will seek, I will find. And so in my seeking, I'm asking mm -hmm. real big questions, hoping to find truth totally. that I can build my life on. Yeah. And yeah. so I have a couple thoughts. Um, one of my favorite portions of scripture is Psalm 73, verse 21. It says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless, I was ignorant, I was a brute beast before you. And mm -hmm. I just like, whoa, already there. And then it goes on, yet I am always with you. And whom have I in heaven but you and the earth? You know. Yeah. And then we know the famous part. But there's something about knowing that God is with you when you feel like a wild, ignorant animal. And that yet he's always with us is 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 the Psalm 139 reality also like totally. if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea. Oh, you mean like how Jonah was and God found him there. There's something so beautiful about finding God in our darkest hour because totally. there's a level of loyalty that we'll have that we would have never had any other way. Oh. And I I think about you. And I think the level of which you've entered into the question um, is, is because of your calling, because 
you will have the ability to articulate and coach and give hope to those that will walk through that as well. We need an apologist. We need a new one. And I think that your, your struggle was tailor-made by God so that you could have a voice for those who are lacking the ability to articulate what you so well articulated. And so mm. I just appreciate the way that you, you leaned into God and, and allowed him to take you on a journey. Mm. And, and now we're going to see the fruit, not just us and observing you, but you will walk into things or, or have a broader scope, I believe, yeah. and a broader reach. And you stayed in relationship and you've sought out people that thought differently than you in, the, in this process. And I just want to commend you for that. Amen. I think it's beautiful. And it, it really you. depicts the heart of God. And I, I just think it's awesome, Samuel. I'm really proud mm -hmm. of you. I, I appreciate that. that. That means a lot. I mean, my, my heart is to not offer any type of novel answer to these right. are the age old questions of life. These are the, this is this, you know, you can be a philosopher and talk about the theodicy. I was a good God in the midst of suffering evil, but these are the type of questions five-year-olds ask when they see someone die and they go, why did God let that person die in a car accident? Yeah. You know, these, this is the stuff that is part of what it means to be human. And I think I don't really feel like I have anything novel. I really want to, like you just did point people to scripture because we have a tendency to, to jump over verses and read the ones we want. Totally. You know, we really love the I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. But we don't really like the, you know, if I make my bed in Sheol, you're still with yes, me. Yes. We love that you're with me, but when we're in Sheol, we don't we don't really feel that way. And yes. and I, I love this. You know, you I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Bible project, um, where they take those, you know, they go through yeah. the books of the Bible and they it's all animated and it's really yep, like totally. it's so clear. And I'm like, I wish yeah. I could teach the Bible that yeah. well. That's incredible. It's something yes. I highly encourage. Um but Tim Mackey, the person over the Bible Project, he said this about the Psalms. He says, in the Psalms, man's word of doubt to God becomes God's word to doubting man. And I wow. love that. Like totally. man's word of doubt to God, where are you, God? Becomes yeah. God's word to doubting man. And I love that. And I love that the wrestle is built in the scripture. Yes. Often we think of the Bible more like the Quran, this book that dropped out of heaven, you know, you know, it's, and, and it's like, oh, it's been dictated. It's through the angel and you got to read an Arabic and da, da. but it's, we forget the Bible. The thing I love about the Bible is how affirming of humanity it is because it's the community of faith wrestling with God over this long period of time. Like you are not alone in the wrestle. If you're wrestling yeah. with God, Amen. welcome to good company. Welcome to Jacob in Genesis yeah. 32. I totally. want to say this. If you want to say that you've seen God and lived, then you have to wrestle with God for long nights. And I promise you, you will walk with a limp yes. because that's, that's the story of wrestling with God. It's built into to Genesis is wrestling with God. And so I just want to say, this is, this is how we see God and live. We wrestle with him. Yeah. And, and it's built into the scriptures. The, the scriptures are stories of hope and triumph and victory, but also pain and grief and wrestling. 
And I really think this all comes together in something really simple, which is Jesus's death and resurrection. And this is what I'll say, Friday, it's the pain, it's the grief, it's the death, it's the disappointment, it's the disillusionment. Saturday is the uncertainty, the grief, the wrestle, and then Sunday is resurrection life, hope, Amen. victory, triumph. And as Christians, we live in that tension. So if you're on a, you're in a Sunday season, you keep going, you ride that victory life glory train. Well, right now I'm on Friday <laughs> and I'm <laughs> wrestling with God, you know, and that's totally. and that's where that's why I love about the Christian faith. And this is why I think it's a rubber band that we stretch and it doesn't break. Because if God is truly the living God and he's made the world and he's redeeming it, then he's built these categories of wrestling with him in mystery into it all. And oh, I, I, I think it. to summarize kind of this picture I'm painting in all this, and this is from a book by A.J. Sabota. He's a pastor called A Glorious Dark. It's something I recommend. It's a book I know you guys would love if you read it. But he says, when it comes to shaking your faith, there are two ways of seeing shaking your faith. One is an etch-a-sketch of you of faith, where if you shake it, the picture goes away. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And the other is a Polaroid. You shake it, it comes into focus. And something I encourage you, if God's shaking your faith, it doesn't have to be this etch-a-sketch view of shaking your faith, where you shake it and it's gone. This could be the the thing by which God strengthens and refines and builds your faith, so that you find yourself in that 1 Peter 1 reality, that though your faith is being tested like gold in a fire, it's yeah. ultimately going to be proven. So even when you don't see him, you love him. And I just want to say, for those that are feel like they're in a season where they don't see Jesus or they don't see God, but you are choosing to love him, you probably feel like a failure right now. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say the joy, God's joy is over you. Though you don't see him, you love him. This is Jesus's words to Thomas. He's not rebuking Thomas. He's saying, oh, Thomas, I've shown you my hands. I've showed you my side. You know I'm the risen Lord. You just said my Lord and my God. But blessed are those that are coming, that they're not going to be able to come up and feel my hands and my side. They're not going to be able to test these claims like you were. And blessed are those who don't see but believe and so i just want to say that if you're in a season of testing maybe it's not god's removing the picture maybe he's it's about your faith coming to be more clear and more rich and more full and sometimes framing our wrestle is the number one thing that we can do as pastors we don't always have to give people the answers because i don't i don't i'm stressed trying to come up with all these answers it's anxiety inducing but if i can help frame it for people and trust God. That doesn't mean everyone who's wrestling is going to remain a Christian or, or be walking with God. But if I can frame it that way, it, it, it actually takes people's defenses down and they go, God might be with me in this. Yeah. And, that's and that's so where good. I am. I think God is with people who are wrestling. I think it's Acts 17 that, you know, he's not far from you. Yeah. Yeah. He's not far from you. And you can feel and reach your way to him. He's not yeah. far. He really isn't. He's no, even I, with you when awesome. you feel him leave you. He was with me. So that's my story. I I, I got no other pearls of wisdom to uh to <laughs> I love that. 
Let's talk about Barbies. <laughs> naked Barbie, Samuel. Naked Barbie. Well, I show naked Barbies. Sh- oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> well, we I so appreciate you jumping in with us, man. I've really enjoyed this. And um and and uh just highlight what was that book again? What's the name of the book? It's called A Glorious Dark okay. by AJ Soboda. Okay. Finding hope in the tension between belief and experience. Oh, excellent. Whoa. Okay. Okay. It's really good. It's he's a Pentecostal. Whoa. And so come on, church. And he and he's and he's in Port he was a pastor in Portland. So he's okay. he's pastoring in a very secular environment. People asking a lot of hard questions. And it's him telling his experience. And um, this is one of those books that I read after I had that experience that summer. And one of the chapters was Did God Become an Atheist? And the point is, I remember reading that chapter going, that's what happened to me. I I, I felt God leave me and Jesus was there. That this, I'm not the only one. Like, this is Come on. being a it's Christian. Beautiful. And so, um, anyway, and he's came to Asbury where I'm going to seminary a few times and I have to have lunch with him. And he's, he's an amazing person. But th- th- there's so many things out there you're going to find in your life that God's going to use. Conversations, people, books. And that was one for me. But anyway, yeah, well, that's awesome. God's got it covered. Sorry, guys, if you heard our dog running around, she's still, um, our dog's semi a part of the podcast. She's um, hard to control. So, Do you want to take your hat off for those that are watching this for the well, first Well, if you time? guys have never seen, this is actually not my real hair. This is my more my look. Um, and I, I'm okay with it. I actually think I'm rather handsome. You're Jennifer. super handsome, Dwayne. I love but it. But Samuel, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for jumping on. And, and uh, <laughs> it looks good, Jen. And... Uh, and I would really encourage you, if you guys are on your journey and you're in this, pick up that book and turn your wrestle to God. And I'm positive. I love it. God is the one that is least threatened with your struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And, find, and if he's sovereign, he, your questions are not disrupting the eternal. So God bless you guys. Click, link, follow, whatever. Like. Like. And uh, hey, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Jumping in. Ciao, ciao.